Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show confidence change going forward and we we have to just I think learn to accept it and live with it and we're currently trying to do that by looking at the psychological capital of of the finance team within the British Council and uh, um, positive psychological capital so quite often people think about psychology as being something that's used to treat mental illness well conversely you can use it to treat for mental wellness so to help foster that and that's what we're trying to do hi everyone and welcome to strength in the numbers now you've just heard from eleanor hampson who's our guest mentor on today's episode i had the pleasure over the last few months of getting to better know eleanor we even did a an interview live on stage at a recent aicpa SEMA event and she got a really warm reception from the audience, particularly with some of the insights and, and things that she's leading at the British Council. And in fact, you know, uh, in terms of on our conversation, Eleanor actually deconstructs the fairly unique business model at the British Council. So that's definitely worth getting familiar with. And maybe we call those the type of a hybrid organization. And it will be interesting to see if we see more of those popping up in finance and accounting. And as you're listening to Eleanor's career story, uh, you can't help but be amazed at just the amount of transformational experience we have a true expert in this area not just from a theoretical perspective but someone who's been a practitioner and putting a lot of the ideas into practice and one of the really exciting things that Eleanor and her team have achieved is the benefits of what she calls a hero program and we could definitely do it more heroes in finance and going into that on the show we sort of talk about things around strengths finder the powerfulness of check-ins, which I, I do myself with my teams, and I encourage other teams to at least listen to that. If you want effective meetings for your teams and a good atmosphere in your teams, check-ins is definitely key. And also, Eleanor helps some of our audience distinguish between why it's not necessarily a good idea to be irreplaceable, because then you become not promotable and, and ties that into the idea of systems thinking. So there's so much in today's episode, and as you can probably tell, really enjoy talking with Eleanor. And again, if you enjoy this episode, please remember to share it with your colleagues and friends. They can subscribe at all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. And we really appreciate you investing your time and support for the show. So that's enough for me. And without further ado, over to Eleanor and the show. Eleanor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on the show, and um, it's a, it's actually quite interesting because we've already done a live version of this at an AICPA SEMA event. So let's see how we get on the recorded version of this. But some of our audience may not have been at that event or, or, or know much about your your history. So would you mind maybe sharing a brief synopsis of your journey in accounting and finance for them, please? Well, first, like I say, it's great to chat to you again. I'm going to, with my, with my journey in accounting and finance, I'm going to go back, back to the dim mists of time, they seem. Oh, we're talking about the 90s. 
Oh. Studying engineering at uni, like many people, I was broke as a student and decided that I would go for the job that gave the biggest sign-on bonus and starting salary. <laughs> so obviously a bit of a financial mindset there. Um, and that mm-hmm. led me to two tra- tracks, either investment banking or management consulting. And actually it turned out that management consulting had the biggest sign-on bonus of the day. I joined Accenture and had a one, and I joined originally on the techie side um, and had a wonderful time during the dot-com period of basically doing website designs and development, you know, end-to-end full process flows, customer journeys, etc. And it's really great fun. It was high paced. I don't believe I slept in my bed for months because we were camped out on floors and under boardroom tables. It was really, you know, anything to get the job done. And then from there, you know, the world changed. The bottom fell out of uh, the dot-com market. I moved into ERP implementation. Again, I started on the, the techie side there and then moved into, you know, was sort of moving into more of the business consulting. And I got some great advice from, uh, from the most amazing mentor. And she said, well, you know, when it comes down to it, everyone does finance. You know, everyone needs finance. Everyone needs money. So why don't you look at the financial side of things? And you're a pretty good consultant. If you really want to differentiate yourself, you can sit your accountancy too in your spare time. And so I did. So I sat my FEMA whilst moving from ERP technical things to SAP FICO and the business consulting mm-hmm. side, and then moved into more and more financial consulting, uh, originally sort of technical planning solutions that then moved into efficiency and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And after six great years with Accenture, I decided that I really actually wanted to live in my flat which in London, which was just the world's most expensive hotel room at that point decided to get a job with a FTSE, um, FTSE 100. Amazing mm-hmm. role came up with BT, who hadn't been a client, despite me working in a media and telco for, for mm-hmm. the previous wee while. And it was in cost transformation, driving efficiency and effectiveness through the business. And, you know, there was there was some serendipity and timings in that the a divisional CFO who was sponsoring that unit went on to become the group CFO. And, you know, I got pulled along in the, in the slipstream, which gave me access to some really great roles. There's, there's a lot to be said for sponsorship. Yes. I got to run billing operations, moved on to head up regulatory reporting. So all the deeply technical reporting, working with Ofcom on that. Ah. And then from there, I ran the, um, the finance transformation program. Um, at that stage, an Oracle um, implementation. I did that up until uh, BT merged with EE. And then, you know, the uh, tens of millions of benefits that we were looking for from the finance transformation paled into insignificance from the merge benefits. So there was some diversion onto the. And just over a year ago, I thought, time, time to do something a bit different. I stepped away from the corporate world and I have joined the British Council where I am Director of Financial Transparency, which I think is just one of the best job titles ever, um, because no one knows what that means. Basically, <laughs> I'm looking after sorting out the finances to ensure that they are sufficiently transparent, that they're working as they should, that we're efficient and effective. I run a transformation program on that. You know, really help some of the overall operations as well, such as our shared service center operations. 
Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I've, I've sort of really come through the, the, tra- the change and transformation angle, but had, a, had enough time in operations with big teams to sort of move forward and, and just give a, a blended finance, IT and operational background kind of lets me fix problems. That's what I really like doing. Uh, at the council, we've, we've got a few. It's a great organisation. does cultural engagement for the, uh, for the UK. So whilst a bit of us is funded by government, um, we get about £100 million from the Foreign Office. And like the BBC, we have a, a public charter. We're actually also quite a great commercial organisation. The total income is £1.3 and the majority of that is through exams in English around the globe. So that's us uh, providing coverage mm-hmm. and invigilating exams, um, teaching English, um, the IELTS scheme primarily. We operate in 110 different uh, countries. It's changed from being what was, oh goodness me, the soft arm, soft power from the Foreign Office into really a more hybrid commercial organisation. Really fascinating journey there. Wow, Eleanor, there's, yeah, there's so much uh, to fascinate our audience in there. And I'm thinking, like, you know, where do I, where do I start with all of that? I, uh, you know, it's like, uh, maybe, maybe we start at the end, uh, at the end a bit there, actually, and, and work backwards a little bit, because there are some other things I'd love to go into, particularly what we spoke about at the SPA SEMA conference. But uh, maybe let's start with that, that hybrid. I, I um, you know, that, that is a, a serious commercial success for something that probably grew out of a, a governmental organization or department um you know is it a case of if you know you get the best of both worlds because if it's a hybrid does one culture predominate more public sector versus is commercial sector i mean you know you've seen both sides sort of now so so i mean like how, how does the hybrid how do you feel that the hybrid sort of setup works i think that we are looking to get more commercial there has been there needs to be a little bit more focus on the numbers around the commercial side. The cultural engagement and the link to the mission and expanding, you know, sort of Britain's cultural values around the world. That we're fantastically successful at and mm-hmm. organizationally really strong around. Actually sitting down and looking at some of the, the hard and fast principles and matters around cost transformation, cost consciousness, etc. Things that are higher hardwired into commercial organizations. Yes there we need to improve yeah no and i think that then ties in i guess with with your role and thanks for explaining it because you know and actually it's actually quite a refreshing thing to have transparency in our title i guess that's the sort of the focus is to is with your role is to bring focus to these things the more commercial elements which will put the british council on a more stronger footing going forward so i mean that 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 was quite nice is that is that um is that probably one of the attractions that brought you brought you there that is one of the attractions. The other attraction is also you know, the, the timing of the, the role. So we've, um, we've just got a new CFO. He was setting up a new team. And basically, you know, at the sort of interview stage, he was just like, yep, you know what you're doing around this. What do you think we should do? Go on. Free reign. <laughs> Which is, you know, job interview heaven. And I suppose it's one of the things, British Council, we're tied to government pay bans and pay rate, which means we don't pay as well as the commercial sector. So what we try and do is make it up in 
life. So in terms of flexibility, great leave allowance, and trying to make a really lovely working environment for people. Yeah. Which I think, I think you know, there, there are certainly elements of. I mean, don't get me wrong, we've got some serious problems in finance that we need to address. The, uh, the planning tool clunks so much whenever we do <laughs> planning that we have people doing shift work to try and load it you know load it into the system i'd love to absolutely love to replace the lot but there are you know the whole erp but obviously there are capital constraints i mean that comes in in the tens of millions and to develop a a case for that will take a, a few years unfortunately so some of it can be what do we do in the meantime and and how can we keep people you know, happy and engaged in a pretty tough environment. You know, if you get the three to four a.m. slot for loading your uh, quarterly, your Q2 forecast into SAP, oh. um, mm-hmm. it's not a happy place to be. <laughs> so, how do we at least make it acceptable and, and tolerant, uh, tolerable for people, and understand and be understanding of the demands we're making on them? Like um, thanks, thanks for painting that pic- picture, Eleanor. Because um, you know, you're, it sounds like you're certainly right there. There's a lot there that can be done from a transformation perspective. So there's great opportunity to 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 really make a difference there. I mean, you know, you've you've done transformation now in a number of different organisations. Like, what are the sort of key things that our audience should be mindful of to, I suppose, one get the mo- most out of a transformation program, but avoid that sort of often quoted transformation fatigue or change fatigue where we're changing all the time and we just sort of like, oh, not another bit of change. How do you get that balance right between successful transformation and, uh, oh, here we go again? (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot to be said for embedding change into the culture because the one guarantee that we've got is that there will be more change. It has never been, regulation has never been as light as it is today or our operations as slow as they are today, tomorrow they will be faster, they will be more regulated. If you're working in international organizations, you can see the increase of uh, regulation across the globe, and the complexity is increasing, and our ability to operate at speed is increasing. So, whereas 10, 15 years ago, having a four-day close was amazing, well, actually, now, really, it should be operating within 24 hours. In fact, mm. you know, there are places where it's real time. That leads to constant change going forward. And we, we have to just, I think, learn to accept it and live with it. And we're currently trying to do that by looking at the psychological capital of, of the finance team within the British Council and uh, um, positive psychological capital. So quite often people think about psychology as being something that's used to treat mental illness. Well, conversely, you can use it to treat for mental wellness, so to help foster that. And that's what we're trying to do. Well, I, I, well, actually, to, to be honest with you there now, Eleanor, I'd say like, uh, you know, we, we could easily de- develop psychological conditions working in finance. Um, <laughs> but those of us, <laughs> you know, burning midnight oils. And uh, I, I remember working at one place and I must have been about I just come off a flight and uh, back from Ireland and I was in London in the office there. And I was the only one in there. And it was the, the lights 
um, different sections started coming it off. I could swear there was a ghost, or I could have just been going um, crazy with the um, the fact of just working very long hours and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, like psychological, <laughs> the psychological element, uh, you know, preventing ourselves from going crazy, mental 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 wellness, very key topics for us in finance. I don't think we've done enough historically on them. So I mean, when when you mention that, I mean, what sort of things are you doing there? Well, we've we've set up a, a program around this, and it's um, it's looking at positive um, psychap, which is something that's been developed by an organisational behaviour academic called um, Fred Luthens, and effectively, okay. it's around four pillows. So four pillars, and we call it hero because let's face it, those of us that work in finance, we can be heroes. I mean, you know, we've all got the got the scars and the walk stories from getting that close in at you know two minutes to midnight you know you can you can spot quite often at month's end the finance team because they're the people where the lights are still on and the rest of the building's gone dark yeah or if there's a or if there's a ghost that something's triggering the lights on the rest of the building and there's no one there so we're seeing things yeah 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 yeah. or you know i've i've worked in i've worked in some really horrible um buildings before and you know, it was it's one of those things where it's kind of like I don't quite feel safe yeah, here yeah. working here by myself late, you know, it just feels a bit creepy. So we have to be heroes. We have, have to, to be yeah, we have to be said. strong. We have to be strong, exactly. Well put. So that, and um, you know, um, I think this was um, this was very popular actually because you actually went through this hero model, and I'd love for you to share it with with our audience because I I just love the way um, you you were interpreting it, using it within the team, and the benefits as well. So, would you mind just taking us through through what hero means to you? Sure. Well, hero hope. You know, that's that's giving us sort of positive motivation, efficacy, self efficacy, and that's. People's, that's an individual's confidence to achieve their goals, um, ideally a specific goal in a specific situ- situation, but it's all about you know, how effective you can be, really. And resilience, you know, let's face it, we need a lot of this, how we cope with our adversity and stress. 100%. And the other thing as well, for oh, optimism. Because you know you can you can say the, the journey is going to be the same, but if you're optimistic, you'll have more fun during the journey. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and and how and how has that been manifesting in your in your team? Well, we've been doing quite a bit quite a bit of training around this. You know, sort of upskilling people in their their own awareness, um, strengths finder, and elements oh. like that. Mm-hmm. We've set up mentoring groups. So there is both peer mentoring and senior mentoring. Um, all of the finance leadership team um, have been trained as mentors Brilliant. because we think it's just something that's so important as part of the role modeling and really to show our team that we want to invest in them. Yes. On the resilient front, I mean, it's how we recuperate from stress or, you know, things being difficult and by giving people you know, some tools and techniques and also awareness that they can that they can talk about it and they can bring themselves their whole selves to work i think it's really important so one of the things that we've done around there is quite quite a few uh, managers are now introducing check-ins to the start of every Excellent. every sort of team meeting uh, you know just to say you know hi i'm here do you know what i've i've had a terrible journey in on the train today i think my youngest son has forgotten his pe kit and so you know mentally i'm trying to figure out how to deal with that i'm not all present here right now but i'll try and ground myself and be so yeah and 
I think part of it is letting us be ourselves more more human. Uh, oh, that's, it's so true. It's uh, it, it's actually, I'm glad you mentioned check-ins because I, I know it's something I've, I can't remember covering in any accountant syllabus or, or university education, but I came across it at a, a telco, funny enough, um, early in my career and found it a very powerful technique that, that we use as teams nowadays. Um, but um, but in terms of your check-in, is it just that sort of checking in in terms of how people are feeling and perhaps how you know what they want to get out of their time in a meeting or on a call? Is, is that how you use it? Yep, that's how I use it, really to create connectedness mm. between us. Great idea. And then it just, you know, it, and actually it also works very nicely as a bit of, a, it can work quite nicely as an immediate troubleshooting device. <laughs> so, you know, where some person goes, oh, I'm so stressed, I've had back-to-back conference calls, you know, all day. I haven't had a chance even to have a comfort break or anything like that. Yeah. We've all known that. Yeah. You know, we meetings are just running. And other team members have gone, oh, can, can I help? It, it, yes, amazing. Yeah. Can we can we just trade some of these? I'll I'll cover this one for you because I've I've got a gap and it sounds like you're having a mare. Can I can I support? And that that sort of team building and that team spirit really really is helpful. I agree. I definitely definitely encourage our audience to um, to implement the power of check-ins. Uh, it makes and it makes it a bit more of a human environment, and I think. Uh, you know, it definitely brings a team together more. So, uh, so, uh, you know, and, and actually I've, I've got some independent perspectives on this as well. You know, there's people in other departments because when you're partnering with other parts of the organization, they actually say they really enjoy our meetings because they, they enjoy the check-in piece. So it could be a good differentiation tool for finance as well to use with other departments. So uh, it's a great, great yeah, suggestion. I've actually had that, that as I was well, wondering, yeah. I, I think, and, it, it also, for, for me, but I think, you know, if you're doing check-ins, you have to approach them with honesty because if you're not open, then it really doesn't work. There's nothing worse than going around the room and going, how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. Fine. I just, oh. I think, I think that's what they say, say over in England. I think they say fine in Ireland. We say grand a lot, you know. I sure we're grand, you know. Um, so yeah. it needs to be open, needs to be honest, and need, people need to, to want to share. Uh, and that does actually happen over time, you know. It's it's it's. I, I just encourage people give it a go, and those finds will as people start opening up, more people will share and get more connected. Yeah, and and then they they can you know they start supporting each other independently. <laughs> I mean that's that's when you know that's when that's when they're just like oh yeah yeah no, I uh, my work on that is done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um that's that's like Nirvana for a leader. <laughs> It's like the team just support each other, support themselves. Um, that that's what you want. That's what on a good team. Um, so so uh, so so Ellen, look, fantastic conversation. I hadn't expected to go down that route, but uh, I think very useful for our audience. <laughs> very useful for our audience. I, I think that is such a it's it's a small maybe a small thing for us, but it's been a big thing. I think it will be a big thing for other people. And um, I suppose for your yourself, Eleanor, you know, great advice there. What's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? If you're irreplaceable, you're unpromotable, mm. uh, which which I know is sort of slightly unusual one, but I think being being a person that really likes to, to deliver, to be a people pleaser, etc., you can get yourself. And you know, I've really noticed this about lots of finance people. They're really good at delivering loads and loads of stuff and thinking about ways of how to how to get the numbers out on time, do the month end pack, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Actually, to such an extent, we can't function without them. Mm-hmm. You know, that particular individual. 
And if we can't function without you, we're not going to be probably considering you for the next step up. Mm, that's a very good point. That is, is that uh, uh, you know where you come across that? How did you come across that? Was that you know something you found independently, or was it from all that work you did with the various systems, processes, technologies that essentially you can't have a, a person that's that's irreplaceable in that way that um that you know it's about more systems thinking so that you can move on to the next level for me it's been more about systems thinking mm-hmm. and in fact you know th- those people that uh, we would call them single points of dependency yes yes or yes yep and you know if you become a single point of dependency you know, whether it be through your through your own balance efforts actually you almost can render yourself obsolete because actually people have to find ways to work around you should you not be there. That's that's very in- that's interesting. Yeah, I, but I never heard of that. Well, I, I think it was a single point of failure I'd heard before, but I like that spud one. You know, don't be a spud or, or spuff. It's, yeah. much, it's much better not to be one of those. I, and can, I'd love to tie that in because you mentioned it earlier. And I, it's, it's, you, know, you mentioned about the slipstream earlier but also mm-hmm. i think we probably underplayed you know your ability not not to be the spot but but sponsorship is key so it's it's probably an element is it of of not being that single point of dependency but also being being visible enough to get sponsorship how do you how, how do you go about getting getting sponsored in effect oh that's a really tricky one i think a bit of it as being yourself i suppose some of it when it comes to is being brave you know if you think something's not right standing up and providing rationale as to why you think it's wrong you can articulate that in a calm considered fashion by and large you'll be listened to Mm. and once people start listening to you and if you act and you say you'll do what you do are on a timely basis and your materials are thorough and well prepped then you sort of seem to get sponsored i like the way you put that elena that's uh, i think that's very useful for our audience that's uh, i couldn't agree with you more i think you know sponsorship is key um you know as much as as much as you know we're responsible for delivering those elements you just outlined it, it does feel that uh, you know if it, to become promotable or whatever it's it's there's a, a lot in the hands of other people as well to to talk about you in conversations about your your good traits traits that are desirable uh, for the people that they want to promote in those organisations. And sometimes saying, you know, I, I want this, I'm interested in it. Yeah, yes, and, good point. and having, you know, what what do I need to do to be ready? Great question. You know, what what are the what are the skills that I'm missing? You know, where are where are the gaps for me for that next role? Um, and then how how to go about getting them? And yeah, that that makes so much difference. Yeah, there's there's a few things you pick up working with salespeople, and it's actually those questions you were asking there is um is sort of I know it's a bit, it's it's influencing to some degree, but it's saying that you know if you know imagine me doing that position, what things do I need to be doing to get there? Um, makes it mm. makes it much easier path, doesn't it? Then 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 second guessing what you have to do, but also. Uh, the person you're talking to you've just put into their their image their mind's eye you perhaps doing that role and if you do those things you're much closer to to getting there so yeah very that's very useful advice so thanks thanks elena for sharing that and i i suppose you know are there um, any resources or books that you would turn to to uh, to recommend to our audience I think that being true to yourself is really, really, really important. One of the things that I've found most useful is good old Strength Finder. Mm. Strength Finder 2.0, strengths based 
leadership, both of them by Tom Rath, and they link to Gallup strength. If you buy a a brand new copy, you can actually take the Gallup strength test um, on the the internet. (laughs) If you buy a second-hand one, the chances are that someone's already (laughs) used the code, and you'll have to pay extra for that. So be a bit careful if you're in second-hand bookshops. But it's a really good thing about, you know, sort of some of the verification of what am I good at and and looking at that and going, right, how do I leverage these strengths? And don't do what so many people do, which is go straight to, oh, what am I really, really bad at? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got to work on I've got to work on that strength. Well, actually, I'd sort of say not necessarily. If you have to work on it for the job that you're doing, yeah. you might not be in the right job. Yeah. What you do need to do is find members in your team that have that as their strength so you can complement each other. I always like to have I always like to work with someone who helps me think fully human. <laughs> by which I mean I can get quite caught up in right, this is the process, this is the efficiency, this is the effectiveness, therefore that's entirely what we want to do. And I find it great to work with, you know, have a really good sort of sometimes HR offsider oh, yeah, yeah. who can just go what about, you know, what about the, the people impact? Does that work as a timing bit? Yeah, completely get that we need to be more effective in this area. But actually, have you considered the human element, the signal it sends to talent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And I historically needed some of that thinking mm-hmm. because I don't generate it myself. You know what? And um, I, I always wondered about that, Eleanor, you know, like that. That that's I really again appreciate appreciate you being completely open about that. Just you know, in finance and accounting, there's this I don't know I I don't know about you, but I always felt this pressure early on that I always had to be right, had to have the right answers, know everything. But that's not necessarily the case. It's actually it's actually even better sometimes just to 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 know your strengths, focusing on them, but be aware of where we could perhaps be better. But but we don't have to be, you know, it's just surrounding ourselves yeah. with people who are already good at that and provide that for us to be more whole, you know, more complete, more whole that way from a, from a decision support or, or, or driving the business forward in a more holistic way. So, um, so I, I, actually just on that, I mean, you know, you've probably done it yourself, but, but I heard a story from an old colleague that she, she used to do that with her teams was get the, buy them all a copy of the strengths finder and get um, get them to do the test, and then they would talk about it as a team. Oh, yeah. You know, have you done anything yep. like that to, so people know each other's strengths and, and where they can come in and support? Have you done anything like that or seen where that's worked? I have totally done okay. that. And, and part of that is, I'm going to, I'm going to be very honest here, is, is a bit selfish, so that people, so that my team can understand the language that I'm speaking. Uh-huh. Yes, good point. And so they can understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So I suppose there's a little bit there about making myself a bit vulnerable to the team by going, right, mm. these, you know, this is the list of my strengths. I actually have got the full list from, from, top to, from top to bottom and not just the top five. And having a conversation around that, I've always found that very useful. Excellent. Well, um, no, thanks, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Again, another, another very much uh, useful piece of advice for our audience again, Eleanor. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, if, if our audience wish to maybe continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? LinkedIn. I apologise if I'm slow in my response. Uh, there's normally a lot of juggling. 
So people can definitely reach, reach me on LinkedIn. Awesome, awesome. Thank, thanks, Eleanor. I'll put a LinkedIn in the show notes so that they can do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look again, just I, I, I get I, I've enjoyed our previous conversations. You know, again today it's it's, it's no different. They they just keep getting better and better, Eleanor. Uh, but um, I suppose oh, no, no, no. Seriously, <laughs> I I no, really really super enjoy them. I I suppose I hope we've covered a lot. I know we've covered a lot for audience, but you know, would you maybe perhaps have any other parting thoughts uh, before we start wrapping up? I think that, you know, within finance, we can put so much, you know, as you say, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be right. One of the things that we can do to really help ourselves is make sure we know where our data comes from and to think end to end about that data. So not just about how it sits as accounting data, but how it how it affects the whole organization. So from customer point of origin all the way through to right at the tail end with financial reporting, the more we can skill ourselves across that data journey, the more useful we can be. It's a very poignant way of, of wrapping up, Eleanor. So, uh, so look, thank you for taking us through your career journey, which was absolutely fascinating. The, 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 the focus on transformation, how we also got on to the, the hero framework, um, the mental wellness, uh, also the advice there at the end as well. Uh, just so much in there. So Eleanor, thank you for coming on the show today, being a great guest and investing your time with us. My pleasure. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.